welcome in. Thanks for joining us once again on the Red Rock Sports Podcast. Bringing you all things Colorado sports each and every week. Find us on Twitter at Red Rock Sports One. Got Connor Holzkamp back in the studio this He's week. Back. Yeah, hello. He's back. He brings gifts. Got a fun segment coming up later this uh, this show. I, just, I, I don't come back empty-handed. Of course. <laughs> no. Never does. Well, he also always <laughs> comes back with opinions, which then we have to hear on the ensuing episode. So before Connor has any chance to say anything else, got to give some love to the producer here, Nick Sopers. How Thank are you, you doing, buddy? Hey, not too bad. Not too bad. Lovely Tuesday. It is. It is kind of a nice Tuesday. Smoke's starting to fade out. Uh, like, college go. football's getting ready to get started. I know neither of you guys are big college football fans, but that's really exciting for me. I'm looking forward to that. I think we're two weeks out on that. NFL season's, what, two weeks away as well? Three weeks? Whatever we are at this point. Just a uh, stone's throw away. I'm doing fantasy football drafts. Did my first fantasy football draft just this mocking weekend. hard. No, legit. Real oh. one. It was actually my wife was doing it, and I just helped her with it's it. Early. But it was good. It was a good uh, experience. I'm not one that normally does mock drafts, so maybe I need to get into that more because I feel so much better coming out of it. Yeah, there's this one league I play in where I'm notoriously last, and that's probably the league I should be mocking in, but here nor there. Because everyone else is mocking <laughs> you. Hey. Zinger. All right. Before we get on to Connor's fun segment of the show, I do want to talk a bit of Broncos preseason. I know, Connor, you didn't get a chance to talk last week uh, coming out of the first preseason game. Now we have two under our belts. What are your thoughts coming away from this? I know you're one that uh, has been maybe called a Drew Locke apologist at times, whether justified <laughs> or not. Neither here nor there. Not uh, what are your takes of the quarterback so far coming out of the first couple games? Because uh, really, that's all anyone cares about, right? Right. Uh, well, hey, we could get a... Uh, I mean, we. It, it looks like they did not announce it today. Today is Tuesday. Uh, what a oh man, I'm bad with dates. August 24th. Yep. Um, so, you know, they have not announced it yet, but we could get the announcement any day. Uh, although it seems like today they he kind of alluded that they still don't know who the quarterback is. Um, neither here nor there. My my thoughts going in, uh, looking at both these preseason games um, was kind of much on, on par with probably what most of our listeners' thoughts are and what your guys' thoughts were. I mean, Drew Locke looked great in that first game. Looked excellent. Um, I thought you guys had a had a good you know synopsis of, of what happened in the game. One thing I wanted to add from last week, just looking at the first game, right, which is Drew Locke's chance with the starters, if you will. I know they're not starters, but if you will, the the number ones, right? Um, there was some talk, obviously, about the eighty yard bomb to KJ Hamler, but one thing that I wanted to bring up um, that wasn't really what impressed me because that ball should be made 80% of the time by either quarterback. Exactly. Like, it doesn't even matter. He was so wide open. He got behind the defense, right? What impressed me with Drew Locke was in the first game, there was a third down and four um, where he hits Jerry Judy on a slant. Now, on that third and four, he looked for his first option in the flat. He looked for his second option, which was a, a, a short slant coming the other way. Both of them tied up. He steps up in the pocket, Love manipulates that. a little pocket, <laughs> steps up and makes a dart to Jerry Judy running across who gets like a 30 yard yard after catch, you know, and it's that play that I wanted to just point to that shows to me that Drew Locke did make some steps from last year and he's working on his footwork and, and is able to do some of these things. Now, let's fast forward to, to week two, right? Uh, I think after after the first week, I had te- I had Drew Locke in the lead in this quarterback competition. And I think uh, most what would did. your take have been going into that game? I, I know we've kind of talked back, you know, maybe a month or so ago on what, you know, we, we kind of thought. And I don't remember where you were at if you thought that they'd be leaning one way or the other going in. Well, so 
to start the training camp, I was on the side of I believe that the, they were going to be leaning Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, that's that what, was that was. I my, think we were all consensus thought um, they would go. No, I wanted them to pick Drew Locke. I I was hoping that Drew Locke could win the job and earn it and win the job, but I was thinking that Teddy kind of came in, and if all things were equal, they were leaning Teddy from the start. And you and I agree, as long as it's Fangio's decision. Right, right. Otherwise, but I'm sorry. So I digress. Go back to your point. So there. so going into the second week, I was thinking, hey, Te- you know, I, I had uh, Drew Locke a little bit ahead. Okay. And this is not just the preseason games. This is the practices too. Uh, yes, Teddy Bridgewater appeared to win if you'll believe the media pundits who were there every every week, right? He won a few more days, Teddy Bridgewater did, than Drew Locke. But he also threw more interceptions throughout camp. Um, and then you go and look at that first game. Teddy Bridgewater looked great. but I mean, looked solid. Just looked solid. But Drew Locke looked really good. He looked exciting. He looked like he was making some of the right reads, the right moves. I think he took the lead in this race. Now, after the second game... I think you go look at the second game, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater looked fantastic. Uh, you know, he was, uh, what, 9 for 11, uh, had a couple touchdown drives. Granted, they did go for it on fourth down. I know that's been a topic of some fans' discussion. Um, but, it, you know, bottom line, he still scored some touchdowns. He looked great. He did. He, he moved the offense down the field, made accurate throws. And one of those incompletions was a drop. So I think he looked fantastic. Drew Locke did not look so great. I mean, he did didn't not. look... He didn't look okay, terrible. But aren't we still overreacting week by week here? I mean, is yes, it a coincidence? A coincidence? I mean, it's, it's it's more than a coincidence that the guy who played with the starters looked better. The guy who played with the backups looked worse. He's playing with a lower caliber of talent. I mean, Drew Locke was getting eaten up because the offensive line wasn't making plays. And so I think it's too much to read into go, oh, this is, you know, Teddy Bridgewater looked better when he came out first. You know, Drew Locke looked better when he came out first. I, I think there's something to that. So uh, in my mind, I, I really don't think either guy has shown anything that has separated themselves. I, I'm still t- looking at two guys that don't look <laughs> like elite Top tier well, caliber ain't quarterbacks. That the truth. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. They look but, like guys. That's so, what they look like out there. They just like another NFL backup quarterback. But, but I mean, but all we have to go if this is a true 50 50 competition, as Vic Fangio has told us all throughout training camp, if it's a true 50 50 competition, then, then we have to go off of uh, overreactions, if you will, off of preseason games and things like that. I mean, if this is a competition, that's what's happening, right? I mean, they're playing for this job. Yeah, I mean, I think as a coaching staff especially, you need to be looking at a, a bigger than the one game and the, the, the 23 snaps or whatever that a guy well, no gets. Doubt. And I'm sure they're looking at the all the practices and everything too and probably even more. I mean, I'm sure they're looking at everything from personality traits to how they lead to, I mean, everything, right? Well, you go back to the way these guys um, are, uh, are looked into at the uh, scouting combine, these quarterbacks. Right, right. Crazy. So one thing I, I – so all that to say – I think after all of that, I think it's back tied. I think after Drew or after Teddy Bridgewater had that amazing showing, I think it's back to even Steven, as Vic Fangio would say. And I think because of that, I believe that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the starting quarterback week one because that's who I thought they had at the beginning. And I think it would have taken Drew Locke making a significant separation in order for that move to be made. That's what you think they're going to do. Do you think it's what they should do? No, absolutely not. No, I don't. And it's more than just what's going to win the Broncos the most games. I think with Drew Locke, okay, if you're going to put this on a bell curve, 
right? Uh, a little statistics for you here. I mean, hey, we're not mathematicians here, but if you're going to put this on you a bell, are bell the curve, uh, designated <laughs> stat man of the group here. I, I, I would say that there is, you know, a high likelihood. In other words, falling right under that bell curve, the main part of the bell curve, that Teddy Bridgewater wins the Broncos seven, eight, or nine games. Right? It's Agreed. a very, very high likelihood that if he starts every game, the Broncos are going to win seven, eight, nine games. Um, Drew Locke has a little bit of a flatter bell, like oh, a wider flatter. bell curve. A wider bell curve. So, in other words, there is a reasonable chance that Drew Locke wins you four or five games, and there's a you know semi-reasonable chance Drew Locke wins you 10, 11 games. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's, it's more possible than, than uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater brings to you. So, for the Broncos, I'd rather have, uh, you know, a, from a GM standpoint or from a fan standpoint, I would rather the Broncos win 11 games. Obviously, that looks pretty good. Drew Locke's our quarterback. Or win five games and go get a good draft pick. I don't want to be stuck in this seven, eight games. We don't know what to do with our coach. And that's like, kind of what I was alluding to earlier when when I brought up the, uh, you know, the coach has got to look beyond what you're seeing in a few snaps. I think you have to look at what is best for your team in the long run, uh, both for this season and, and over the course of the next few seasons. I don't think you can coach scared. And, and to me, choosing Teddy Bridgewater is coaching scared. It's tough. You have to – it sucks that Fangio is playing for his job, essentially. Yep. It, you you got to play Locke. You got to find out, and you got to make the move whether he's the guy or not. And we're stuck in this – conundrum of of suck so it uh <laughs> you know if you're gonna suck be the suckiest yeah, sucks that yeah. ever sucked okay yeah, exactly. it is it is a little bit unfortunate and you know george payton if you'll believe him has absolutely said he, he has made it very clear that this is vic's decision right it's vic's, it's decision. Vic, it's vic's job and, and, and if it, and if it's vic's decision he's obviously coaching for his job for his coaching career potentially i mean as a head coach and, and he's going to go with who's going to win him the most games. Yeah, he said unless, as much. Unless he's fully bought in that Drew Locke has turned the corner, I, I don't think he goes with the, the high-risk, high-reward guy. And, and that, to me, is a philosophical approach more than it is about who the actual players are and what they're doing. I, I think that it could if, if it's truly Fangio's decision, it wouldn't have taken a lot for Teddy Bridgewater to win this job. I think it would have always taken way more for Drew Locke to win. And hey, the decision's not made yet, okay? We all we all are kind of on one side of the fence here, and there's a lot of people out there, uh, former Broncos players included, that are on the very opposite side of this spectrum that really feel like Teddy Bridgewater, this guy, is the guy. Namely, former Broncos linebacker Brandon Marshall, who uh, took to Twitter over uh, it was actually Sunday morning just following the game Saturday night and I want to read a few tweets from Brandon Marshall I will kind of give you the synopsis in between because if you I mean this is all public information if you guys want to go find him on Twitter and you go up and down his his Twitter page you can be Marsh yeah uh, and and so anyways uh, starting with the first one here he says Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback this team needs all caps needs okay so he believes oh. Teddy Bridgewater. He's bringing the capital letters into this. Bringing the capital letters. That's, that's, that's an angry okay. tweet. He goes on to say, after some discussion with, with uh, some of his followers back and forth, uh, take the Browns and Baker, for instance. They have a good coach, a good run defense, nice weapons, good running game, and they, make, they made a good playoff run. You can't tell me Baker is better than Teddy B., no way. So he's doubling down there. He's saying not only is Teddy the guy, Teddy is on the level of Baker Mayfield, 
And I'll let you guys react here in a minute. I want to get to this third tweet from him. After many people went off on him saying, you are absolutely <laughs> insane if you think Teddy Bridgewater is better than Baker Mayfield, he said, kind of backpedals a little bit, a little bit, and then he goes, okay, how much better? What tier of quarterback is Baker in? Insert Teddy in that offense. They still make the playoffs, probably still win one playoff game. Do you agree? My no. Just to clarify, this is Brandon Marshall, the former linebacker. Linebacker, correct? yes, right. I'm sorry, I said that. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm in the clouds over here. Sometimes. No, it's okay. You know? It's really weird. <laughs> what are the odds that the Broncos have had two Brandon Marshalls in the last 20 years? Right, right. My immediate thought is it's a fair comparison. Baker, May- Baker Mayfield, off. weak arm. Teddy Bridgewater, you could argue fairly weak arm. A lot of checkdowns, a lot of slant plays. Make a lot of plays with their feet. I, I guess the argument so, that I would make for Teddy is is he was highly touted coming out of college. And uh, one injury, I mean, who knows where he would have been had he not tore his knee. I don't know. Almost, I mean, they were debating on whether he was going to be an amputee for a while. I mean, he, he had a bad injury. So I'll let you react, Connor, before I give you my two cents. Oh, well, I... Uh, Okay, so he's a defensive-minded person, obviously, right? We all see the game through lenses. We all see life through our own lenses, right? Uh, He's obviously a defensive guy. So, of course, a defensive guy is going to prefer the kind of the the more perceived, safer, take take what we're going to give you, don't lose us games. Our defense is going to go out and win, you know? And let me be more specific in asking you guys this question, that do you think if you put Teddy Bridgewater on the Browns this year... How plus or minus win total for Baker Mayfield versus Teddy Bridgewater? I think they're very much the same, and I think, I think we all, I hate to say, want Lock to start, but for the sake of the franchise and the long term, we w- we would prefer Lock play so we can find out. But I think we all are coming kind of coming to the conclusion that for wins, you got to go Teddy. It's kind of how it's leaning. Bridgewater over who? Baker Mayfield oh, yeah. on the Browns. Uh, I'll put it this way. I would way rather have Baker Mayfield than Teddy Bridgewater. And, and here's where it comes down to for me. I actually don't even think the win total would be that different. This team, the being the Browns, they are very much built like the Vikings that Teddy Bridgewater took to a 10 or 11 win season. I think they won their division that year. <laughs> They're a, a defensive-minded team that runs the ball, and so that fits. Yes, t- Teddy Bridgewater fits in there, but fourth quarter – under two minutes, okay. you need a quarterback to go win you a game. You're telling me you're not taking Baker in a heartbeat I'm taking, over I'm running the ball up the middle. And I'm not a huge Baker Mayfield fan, but I will say, sure. th- but I will say He's this a much. Big-time big game here's, player. Here's one big difference that I see in their games, right? Uh, Baker Mayfield is, I would even say, very good at when the play breaks down, sure. making improv- you know, improvising, l- running a little bit around the field, kind of scattering, telling his receiver, get over here, and he makes the throw. I don't see Teddy Bridgewater having that same skill set. You know, I mean, Drew Locke is way better than than Teddy Bridgewater in that one particular aspect of the game um, when the play breaks down. But you know, I mean, to your I mean, to your question about the win total, it might be relatively similar. And all that's right? what I say. I, mean, I don't think he's that far off. The way no. he presented it. I think is to, to say you're going to compare the two. Now, I think the point he's trying to make, and I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but uh, the way I take that is he's trying to say it's about more than just the quarterback. You need the quarterback that fits in to what your team can do, and Teddy Bridgewater fits into a team 
look at the Broncos. Are they that much different than the way the Browns are built? Yes, they have talent at receiver, but this this team is built around its defense. They want to run the ball. They want to control the game. Now, let me ask you, though, is the goal to win like to make it to the playoffs. That's playoff what it game? really truly I mean, comes down to. In my mind, no. The no, goal the is, is to win Super, Bowl. Super Bowls. Right. I would rather have a decade of 10 years where you are competing for a Super Bowl three out of the 10 years and your crappy, terrible team three out of the 10 years than to go 10 years being an 8-10 to 10 win team never having a chance. And, and I think uh, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan out there all anyone who's a Cleveland's Brown fan you are hoping and expecting that that he takes to this next step you know what i mean right. i mean you are you are absolutely hoping that Baker Mayfield can take that next step and be a little bit better than he has been because Otherwise, he wouldn't be on their team. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think we're expecting that out of sure, him. Sure, that's we're, a very we're, good we're point. Expecting that he's kind we of made leveled the, out. The Panthers take on some of his contract in order to take them, him off their hands. Well, right. to counter your point, you know, the fans play for Super Bowls. the The coaches and the players they play for wins, and so that's the, that's the actual issue we have here. So. That's a good. That's a good way of putting it. You know who's really kicking themselves right now though is the Browns front office for not paying Baker before Josh Allen got paid. Because now he's going to go make more money than Josh Allen. Yeah, you think so? Oh I, yeah, that's the way it works, man. I mean, what are they yeah. going to do? Yeah, he's got them. Get? He's I mean, got them by the balls. They can't do get? anything. They might just get rid of him. Really? You think so? The Browns, who that. have struggled <laughs> to find a quarterback <laughs> ever point. since what, what, what? We're going back to like the seventies. Should we cut? Should we cut this recording back and have you take again? Uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. That's a, all right. That's a good point. But but I, I think he's he's in such an advantageous position. Well, he can name his price. Then you know what. I am not a believer that Baker Mayfield is going to be that quarterback, and that would be a mistake for the Browns, and the Browns will do Brown things. So I guess, you know. What do you say about Lamar Jackson? Would you say the same thing? Would you pay Lamar Jackson? Because he's the same deal. I'll pay Lamar and, Jackson and, and, whatever and Lamar Jackson just, wants. Just my philosophy yeah. is the next quarterback is the next, is the, is the next highest paid. It's the way it always works. Well, but I, Lamar Jackson has shown flashes of being – okay, here, okay here's, here's a little difference between all these comparisons. A lot, a lot of just difference. Just throwing out here, A lot of right? difference yeah. with Lamar. But right. yeah. Lamar Jackson, MVP caliber type season, right? Type, yeah, had an MVP season, yeah. type season, right? Josh Allen last year didn't he win had MVP? An, he he no, won MVP. Who? Lamar Jackson? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he did, he did win MVP. Yeah. So, but but last year, uh, Josh Allen MVP caliber season. Obviously, he didn't sure. win it. It was Aaron Rodgers, but he definitely had the he he had a top you know three type season of a quarterback. Baker Mayfield hasn't done that yet. So while I get what you're saying, he may demand that kind of money. I don't think it's going to be worth it. I would be more willing to pay Baker Mayfield that contract than I would Lamar Jackson. Oh no! In my Ooh. mind, Lamar Jackson is has hot has, take. Jared was a hot take. Wrong. Tuesday. And the reason is Lamar Jackson relies almost 100 percent on his athleticism. The offense that is only trails from here. And you look at a guy like Michael Vick and, and take all the off field stuff away from it. I know that greatly impacted the pinnacle stuff. of his career. But even before that. The last two or three years he was with the Falcons, he was not the same quarterback, the dynamic guy that he was the first couple years because teams realize if you just make him throw the ball, you can't beat the, us. The offense is, and teams have already done that to Lamar Jackson. The, in offense the, is, the offense is literally centered around Lamar Jackson. The offense is not centered around Baker I Mayfield. will give you that. The Ravens have done everything in their power to contend. put him in an offense to be successful, but I do not believe a quarterback that isn't an excellent thrower 
an excellent passer. I don't think Lamar Jackson is excellent. I think he is. An I don't think he's passer. elite. I think he can throw the ball excellently, but reading defenses, getting through his progressions, I think he relies too much on his athleticism, and is going to prevent him from ever being a long-term elite quarterback. I agree with you. He's an elite talent, and he had an elite year. I think every year that he moves beyond that, you will see a decline in his performance. Interesting. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Politely disagree. Uh, <laughs> getting get to the... Uh, and t- I actually hope I'm wrong because he's so fun to watch. <laughs> he, he is really fun to, is watch. Fun to watch. And, and I think it's a little bit different than the Michael Vick situation where, I mean, they, you know, Michael Vick's offense, they were still kind of operating from the pocket and it was kind of like a scramble type offense. You know, he would... Michael Vick would roll out to the outside and try and go deep or he would run. Whereas the Baltimore Ravens offense is much more designed QB runs, designed uh, halfback runs. They, they split them out, you know, and they, they operate with a ton of two halfback sets what do they call that 12 12 set with two tight ends and two you're beyond my knowledge but i actually heard a, a cool story one time it was actually from dan Reeves. that uh, he was telling it on some sort of uh, documentary who knows nfl network probably uh about when michael vick was first drafted that he he had to teach vick that like hey if you look up and you don't see anyone's eyes on you run the damn ball because that means nobody's guarding you. So that's pretty much how he taught him. It's like any passing yeah, play. You if you don't see somebody spying you, just run because they can't stop you. They won't be able to right. stop you. And it was very effective. It was very first effective. And do you guys remember playing Madden with Michael oh, Vick? There was that just one year. the turbo and just run. What year was that? Where he was on the cover. And he was unstoppable. You just do a, you just do a shotgun. You'd run backwards for like 40 yards and then just kind of go around the computer. Anyways, regardless, <laughs> that, that is about the point when Madden started or EA Sports started trying too hard with Madden where like they tried they try to tweak it so much every year it's like man just quit messing with the good thing it seems like it gets worse year by year I don't know what do you say you're you're more of a gamer than I am yeah you know it's getting more complicated year by year that's for sure <laughs> it's like it, I, I swear I get these new video games I'm just like man is the learning curve is so much greater than it was when we were and like what is the age on teenagers. these are they are they like <laughs> oh yeah kids will I, rated for it, everyone oh, <laughs> I have no doubt that I am getting my butt beat by like 12 year olds in Madden online no doubt about it yeah it's, uh, it's embarrassing hey before we I know we we're gonna move I know we we're trying to move on but um just real quick before we get off the Broncos in this quarterback battle. Uh, I do have the numbers here just through two games. Oh, yeah. You're curious to hear them. Okay. Uh, so for Drew Locke, we got 14 for 21, 231 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, so 14, 21, 231 yards and two touchdowns. Teddy Bridgewater, 16 for 19, 179 yards and two touchdowns. Now, last key piece here, Drew Locke had eight drives resulting in three field goals, two touchdowns, two punts, and one turnover on downs. Teddy Bridgewater had four drives, three touchdowns, one field goal. Longer drives. But you know what else? Here's what I take from that. Bigger plays. Teddy Bridgewater's got higher completion percentage, less yards. You know, he's dinking and dunking. That's what, that, that, that literally tells me everything that these two quarterbacks are. Is Drew Locke's going to be a little more aggressive, maybe more big play potential, but you might have more drives stall out. Teddy Bridgewater is the guy that slowly but surely drives you down the field but doesn't make the big play. Yeah, there, there you go. Now, now, real quick before we move on, let's just go around real quick. Prediction time. Nick, who do you think they are going to choose for the starting quarterback position? Teddy Bridgewater has a Ryan Tannehill type year. Ooh. Broncos are back, baby. Ooh, bull take. Oh. All right, Jared, who do you think they're picking? I am going to go against what I said at the beginning of the uh, camp and preseason period. 
Uh, I originally thought they'd go Teddy Bridgewater, but the more and more I think about it, I don't think this is Fangio's decision. I think that Drew Locke Ooh. gets a chance. Okay. And, uh, you know, just for the record, too, I was actually looking around on some sports books. Uh, 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 DraftKings and FanDuel, as of this morning, uh, both have Drew Locke as the favorite. As a favorite. Okay. Which goes against what all the media will have sure. you know right now. So Depends on which. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as if the media is not always 100% correct. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Moving on. <laughs> Wait, you got you said uh, Bridgewater. I I, I think they're going to pick Bridgewater. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. It's on record. Okay. For those who listened last week, we apparently Nick we embarrassed ourselves is what I'm being told. Classic. Um, Tyler Walgie decided to bring up whiskey and scotch and and uh, caught us off guard. We weren't expecting it, you know. And uh, we're noobs. Hey, we're noobs, man. <laughs> we know this. And uh, Connor wants to impart some wisdom onto us, onto the audience. Uh, so we're going to introduce a new segment that's going to be a, a monthly segment. And what did we decide we were going to call it, Connor? Well, uh, you know, the, this edi- this edition, we might go into a monthly sort of like whiskey of the month type thing. Okay. But right now, I'm gonna, we're going with uh, the title of uh, Scotch for Noobs, Exquisite Things for Less Exquisite People. Wow, what a title! <laughs> it sounds like a book, you know. Scotch for noobs, and then it's you like got ten the- pages long. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just uh, I was ta- hearing you guys and uh, uh, had a little. Uh, just was listening to you guys talk about scotch and whiskey and these different things. And I'm a, you know, I'm no, I'm no pro, right? I mean, but I have definitely been getting really into scotch and whiskey for the, maybe the past ten years. So I definitely have a little bit of a. Uh, whiskey under my belt as we were recording it i just was thinking to myself i'm like i gotta make sure i like don't present myself as any sort of expert because connor is gonna <laughs> shred me to pieces if i pretend like i know anything because i don't i know nothing i i'm like hmm, that's good I'll, I'll drink it you know that's right. that's me i'm a well so easy to please let me just go through a couple things i heard you guys Kay. say here uh one thing is that and i hear this a lot actually it's not just you i hear this a lot is people say that scotch is an acquired taste or sure. like or like oh scotch how do you drink that right but they're like oh i like bourbon or i like other whiskey right now if you don't like any kind of whiskey whatsoever and whiskey just is not your thing then scotch won't be your thing either okay but scotch has so so whereas bourbon has a very a narrow set of parameters that it has to fit under to be bourbon, right? Has to be aged in new American oak, for example, right? Has to be made with an exact percentage of, of you know, barley and, and what whatnot. So, and, and, you know, and it has to be made in the U.S., obviously. So, in order for bourbon to be called bourbon, it has to... It, they have to make it within a very tight parameter. Uh, so you, what you end up getting is a lot of bourbon that tastes relatively very similar, similar yeah. right? I mean, it takes it takes a, a real refined type of... You have to drink a lot of whiskey to start catching on to some subtle differences between bourbons, right? Which there are. There are. And there's fantastic bourbons. And the point you made about how there's excellent bottles of bourbon for like 20, 30 bucks, you got it, you know? Uh, that That's correct. So uh, that, there is that. But scotch has a little bit more... Um, I have a little bit uh, more more parameter. Like you, they have a little more free freedom and flexibility as to where they how they make the scotch. So you actually get a very wide variety of how scotch tastes. So when someone says, "Oh, I've tried scotch, I don't like it," I'm like, "You probably tried one variety of scotch and didn't like it." And there's this whole world of scotch. So I wanted to come in just give you guys a little bit. I want to go for this segment. I want to do. Uh, and actually, Nick, do we have some whiskey music? Yeah, we've, we've got some, a co- yeah, we got whiskey. Well, let's get some whiskey music going on over here. It's got more of a bourbon vibe to it, but I thought it fit. 
like it. All right. Well, a little Southern Country bourbon That's vibe, fine. okay? I'm thirsty. Okay. I am. I'm dying. So just for the so This matches scotch about as well as uh, your knowledge of scotch That's what when, so. when, when I was putting it together <laughs> before the taste. show, <laughs> I, was, I knew I knew that. I was like, this doesn't fit scotch, but it fits whiskey. If it's it our fits understanding of scotch. Yeah. So, so a lot of people, when they try scotch, they think it's very smoky and peaty, right? Peat is... is, is uh, what you would call like PD for for a very smoky scotch. So most people try and they try scotch and they're like, oh, that was so like, like it tastes like medicine or like real smoky. It was so strong. It slapped me in the face type of thing, right? Now that would be a particular type of scotch, right? So I'm going to go through just a little bit first. I want to go through just a couple of the different regions uh, for scotch whiskey and, and a little bit of their differences. I'll just be real brief on those. And then I'm going to go through, I have five beginner scotches that kind of go through these different types of flavors for you. Okay. Okay. So there are I like five. I need a notepad. Take some notes, man. Right, here we go. So there are uh, five uh, five main regions for scotch, right? <clears throat> there is the Highlands. There's Speyside. There's Lowlands. And there's Isla. Or, uh, Isla, Isla. And then Island. Uh, there's also Campbelltown, but that only has a couple uh, different distilleries. So let's For go. such a small <laughs> island. That's a lot of regions. Right. So so Highlands is is uh, one of the more popular ones. It's very large in landmass. It's in the north of Scotland. Um, the variety you get there is very oak. You get a lot of oak. You get a lot of fruit cake. You get some malt. A little bit of smoke sometimes. Um, but those are pretty... Highlands are very good beginner scotches, generally speaking. Okay? Now, another really good beginner scotch region is, is Speyside. Now, Speyside is actually pretty tiny on the map. Uh, it's in the northern region, too. It's pretty tiny. But it has like 60-something distilleries in it. So it's, it's uh, right on the Spey River. So it's like Colorado for breweries. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like a Manhattan <laughs> of, of uh, you know, scotch. But so Speyside, you typically get smooth and sweet. Okay, so that's your, you get apple and pear, honey, vanilla, uh, type of flor- floral like you okay. know some some floral notes it's real light lots real of light. so are we talking more on the dessert side then or it can be would you not go that yeah, far yeah no okay. it, it, it can be for sure okay. there, there's some and, and again I'm just giving little guidelines there's definitely variation within each of these right, regions right, this right. is just basic uh, so then we go the, we got lowlands which is surprise surprise a little bit lower than the highlands uh, uh, south meaning um, and that's you're going to get more earthy kind of grassy cinnamon uh cereal those are the types of ones that you get for that they're they're a little more earthy right that would be the word i used to describe a lowlands uh then you got the isla and the isla is what a lot of people think of when they just think of scotch okay and has some excellent scotches but that is the smoky right the very peaty uh smoky flavor kind of sometimes medicinal iodine has been used to describe it seaweed right so that is I would recommend. Uh, hey, if you are like a, if you're a huge fan of just smoked anything, go try it. I mean, why not? You might like it. But otherwise, I would definitely say Isla's. Work your way up to Isla's. I okay? I feel like I can certainly remember experiences of cough medicine. That that was yeah. as a yeah. good okay. So that way right. Medi- medicinal can, would be like an Isla. Yeah. And the last one I'm going to talk about is Island. Um, so there's the islands, north uh, west section of Scotland. And those are, as you might imagine, actually kind of salty, briny, uh, a lot of citrus popping uh, flavors, a lot of some pepper in it. Uh, so anyways, there you go. So now I'm gonna, I, I want to go okay. to just a few and our listeners, feel free to go out and try it. If we hear any sponsors come our way, hey, we, we, we'd love uh, we'd love to, you know, 
taste test your product and and see how it works. But uh, uh, let's go a couple here. So one of the ones that I think that would be a good beginner scotch for everyone to get into is a Highlands scotch, uh, and it's Glenmorangie. Okay. Okay. And uh, it is the the original is a ten year. It's golden, uh, Glenmorangie, and it has some vanilla, uh, some floral notes, some cream, some oranges, and peach. It's really it's far away from smoke. It's going to be real gentle, especially for like a bourbon lover. A Glenmorangie is going to be really good to get into it. So next one uh, is a little bit, uh, and that one's going to be under fifty bucks. Okay, and that's key to know because you know, like I was, I I kind of no doubt voiced that last week that I don't have a fifty dollar a bottle, sixty dollar bottle budget always. Sometimes budget is tight. Yeah, right, right. No, no doubt. And so that one's going to be, uh, you know, definitely under fifty, uh, depending on where you go, thirty to forty. I need range. to know who's this fella Glenn that they're naming all these uh, <laughs> alcohols after. He must be rich. <laughs> I actually, there's probably an answer to why they. Have <laughs> I'm sure it has something to do with a, a, a language or some sort. Yeah, so Glen Morangie, <laughs> Glen Morangie original. That's one, number one. Then we got uh, this one's going to be a little more expensive, but it's going to be like an eighty dollar. But I definitely think if you see it, you should definitely try it. Um, it's the Balvenie, which is a, a great distillery. They are Speyside. So okay. a Speyside distillery. Um, so what I'm recommending is the Balvenie Caribbean cask. And it's 14-year age. So what that means is it was actually aged uh, in uh, rum barrels. Caribbean rum barrels that used to have rum in it. So um, does that... So you're going to pick up a bit of a rum flavor too? Oh, big time. Okay. I, w- I would say that like... 40% of the flavor of okay. any whiskey comes from the barrels. Interesting. Oh, yeah. right. That's interesting. It's a big, big thing. So, And uh, and whiskey barrels are commonly used with beers and things like that to age. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. And, well. and actually, what's funny is bourbon barrels are bought by the bulk to, by, in Scotch distilleries in, in Scotland. Interesting. Because, so bourbon, you have to make a new American oak. It has to be new. So when they get done with all their barrels, yep. they send them right over to, to Scotland, and they and actually most of these will be at least aged at first in American and bourbon barrels. Interesting. Barrels. So, uh, anyways, it's a uh, uh, has some rich toffee, the Balvenie Caribbean cask, kind of toffee, rum, salted caramel. It's really delicious. So I definitely recommend trying it. I'll have to bring it around someday. I, I get that one a lot, so I'll have to bring it. Um, next one, since we're all in Colorado. I wanted to recommend the Stranahan's. Now, it's not a true scotch because it's not in Scotland, obviously. It's made here in Colorado. Um, which, But it's a single malt whiskey. It's and it's very an similar. Irish whiskey, correct? It's single malt. Okay. No, it's a, it's basically a scotch, okay. but it's not made in Scotland. Gotcha. So, it's not okay. a, so it can't be a okay. scotch. Gotcha. Um, now, that's going to be with some more bananas on the nose with some red berries, some spice. Bananas. And- yeah, a little banana. It's got a little banana-y type uh, taste to it. It's uh, very subtle, okay? I, I would not think banana in scotch, so... Right. Well, it's it's delicious. And, and again, it's a single malt whiskey. I know it's a subtle difference, but it's pretty close. It's as close as we get to scotch made here, you know, in Colorado. So, uh, Stranahan's uh, would be my next one. That's around $50. Uh, then the very last one I have, uh, there is a... <clears throat> particular type that I end up uh, I like uh, and it is scotch that is aged in sherry casks casks do you know what sherry is no explain to us Uh, it's (laughs) I'm sure somebody out there listening has like an ant who just is like obsessed with this stuff and it kind of has a bad name is it an ant sherry (laughs) 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 (laugh
No, but uh, uh, so sherry is just a, it's a wine. It's often a dessert wine, but it's really actually dry. Uh, they make it really sweet too, though. But it's traditionally just a dry wine. It's made with white grapes, um, and the the result of it's kind of it's just. It's hard to describe sherry wine, but if you've tried it, you know it's just way different than any other wine varieties. Okay. It's kind of it's and so really they unique. age them in the barrels. Yeah. So so this one that I have is one such Scotch whiskey, and I actually brought this in studio for you guys. So we're gonna go through, and I'm gonna guide you guys and our listeners through a true wine tasting. Wow. Okay. Or not wow. wine, whiskey tasting. You have wine too. Don't you so. bring wine <laughs> into the studio? I don't want any of that crap. So this is the Dalmore. Which is uh, uh, another excellent uh, scotch. And it is a Highland. And this is the Dalmore 15. So it's a 15. One more time. Plug in the Dalmore. If you guys right. want to be a sponsor, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Red Rock Sports One. There you go. So it is a 15 year aged. This one is 12 years aged in a new or in a ex bourbon oak um, for 12 years. And then for three years, it's finished in Amoroso sherry casks. And so you end up getting with sherry, any kind of ones that have sherry cask in it, you end up getting like uh, dried fruits, dark chocolates type of, of taste. And so this is a little bit, now this is like, you know, $120, $130 bottle. Wow. So it's a, this one's a little step up, right? And 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 so I wouldn't necessarily say go to this hide, one right hide away. Hide that bottle when your <laughs> friends and family come around, okay? Unless your friends do a podcast with you, then bring it and share it. Uh, Connor's nicer than I am. <laughs> so we're going to go through this one. And then this one's a little bit, I almost hesitated to put it in the beginner, but it is still an excellent beginner scotch, okay. but it's a little it's a little more interesting, a little more complex, okay? Hey, this is exquisite taste for less exquisite people. We go. don't want an underwhelming Love scotch that. here, okay? So first step in a whiskey taste, you want to get a nice whiskey glass. However, I only have one whiskey glass, so you guys have some oh, nice... Uh, funny. Notice he gives himself yeah, bar glass, some ball, nice ball bar glasses. Selfish. So... Uh, I know, right? Okay. okay. Note to self. So get, buy a, get, get a whiskey glass. Or, or at okay. the very least, you need like a glass, a kind of shallow glass tasting glass, right? So take it. And first thing, you're going to want to put your nose. Don't be afraid to put that in that, baby. Take a deep smell. And I want you to smell on this aroma for careful, orange. You don't know where it's been. <laughs> I, want, I want you to smell for orange marmalade, wow. cinnamon, and nutmeg. Okay? Maybe one at a time. Orange marmalade. Oh, yeah. That's it. And some cinnamon. Oh, now I, now I smell that for sure. There you go. See? Now, I'm just getting scotch. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah? All right. <laughs> oh, no, nutmeg no. was the okay. third one. Yeah, okay. Now, uh, this next one, we're going to take a tiny little sip, and we're going to swish it in our mouth a little bit and hold it in our mouth to desensitize ourselves to the alcohol that's in it so we can taste a little deeper. You got to burn the tongue. Yes. Uh-huh. So we're going to keep it on our tongue. We're going to hold for like five seconds. Keep holding it. I'm going to talk for a dead air time, but you guys keep swishing that in your mouth. And this this helps kind of desensitize some of the alcohol so you can kind of taste a little more deep on your next one, okay? I feel my tongue dying. That's exactly the point. Yep. Okay, good. All so right. the very first time, real quick and interlude, yeah. Yeah. very first time I went to try to drink whiskey, I'm like, ah, I'm going to get some whiskey, you know, drink it. I had been told, yeah, desensitize a palate. Yeah, I didn't quite grasp the whole concept of that. Threw back a nice swig and... <laughs> Just a nice heat going down. That's a lot of whiskey to hold in your mouth for a minute. You know, it's it's a lot. It did not help me get into it. And now you guys mentioned, and another thing to note when you're tasting and sipping whiskey like this, you should always, there's there's two ways to try fine whiskey like this, okay? And this is what I was just like pulling my hair out while you guys are talking last week. 
He's upset. No ice cubes. Okay. Oh, you love ice, ice cubes. cubes. Out. All right. Ice, ice is for guy. okay. If you wanna, if you're gonna be sipping on a like a pretty cheap type whiskey, is right? Is there any other kind? If you're gonna be doing that, or or hey, it's great for cocktails. You got those big old ice cubes are perfect for like an old fashioned or a Manhattan. It's excellent, right? And actually, it's perfect way to drink it. You do not want to do ice in your scotch or in your nice bourbon when you're trying it. If you if you are sipping bourbon to taste the bourbon, that is a freaking crime. What if I'm sitting on a warm summer afternoon? Then and, and if you don't want to just do whiskey, then don't reach for the bottle of good whiskey. That's where you go for the thirty dollar. You go for the you know Maker's Mark or the or or some. Whoa, kind of bourbon. we might get them on as a sponsor too, no. Connor. <laughs> Come on, no insulting. Hey, them. I love me some Maker's Mark. I love me some of those types. Uh, some Jack Daniels, I love it, right? It's great, and it's perfect for what you're talking about. Those hot days, pour it in, make a cocktail, get you yourself a little fashion. You probably like your beers warm, too, don't you? No, 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 no. Drink Keystone Light. <laughs> it's kind of like wine. Oh. You wouldn't serve red wine chilled, right? right. You wouldn't serve red wine chilled. How it's drunk not- am I? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. All right, so now uh, the... So you want to sip it neat, and then the other way you can do it, especially with a higher alcohol level, is a couple. I'm talking one to two drops of water, okay? So first, let's take our first sip, all right? And I I want you to take the sip, and I want you to to look for some mandarin orange or vanilla, ginger, crushed apples. I I taste some vanilla in this. Oh, nutmeg all day. Some nutmeg. Yeah, you get that vanilla on the front. You get a little dark chocolate going on right there, right? Okay. Now... We're going to take, I have provided you guys with a couple drops of water. We're going to drop a couple drops of water right in here. Just a few drops. No big deal. Just a few drops. Pop it in there. And when he says a few drops, he means that like we're talking eyedropper. Yeah, like drops. take a dropper or like a straw. Yeah. You can take a straw, drop a couple drops in there. Give it a little swirl. Give it a little swirl. Now uh, smell it again. This this will open it up a little bit. Take a little bit more of the edge off. Allow you to, to taste a little. On this particular one, it allows me to taste more of the vanilla and the caramelized orange. Wow. Mm-hmm. You see how that opened it up a little bit? Do you see the difference? Definitely. It's absolutely. A, it's a God, we really made you upset last week, didn't we? So. You know what my favorite part is? Is we always have discussions that Connor would be really passionate about when he's on the on. shows that he's not here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so there you go. That's uh, that's a, hey, that is whiskey tasting for dummies. And, and by all means, hey, if you're out there, you love your whiskey and you love ice cubes, like whatever, do it. And and that's okay. Whatever makes you happy and, and enjoying your whiskey, go ahead and do it. It's wrong, but Just it's okay. Just know that like you will get some eye rolls from people well, who but, know what they're but doing Connor, with whiskey. I think this is a good way of putting it, you know, for somebody like myself that I am I, I don't I've never been to any of the tastings around town, which is something I look forward to wanting to do, you know. But COVID, you know, that whole thing. Uh, but but it, it's helpful to hear those things because sometimes you don't necessarily understand the difference. There's times, the first few times that I was starting to really drink whiskey straight, not mixed. Again, it's another thing that I think goes without saying for anyone looking to drink whiskey and get a taste for whiskey is mixing is, is not necessarily the way to go about mm you know tasting different whiskeys and things oh yeah like that. for sure not um but when you you know your ice melts into a glass and you start to understand wow it is that that flavor it opens up more so i think hearing some of these things do what you do i'll probably still drink quite a bit of my whiskey over over ice i like it on the rocks but it's good to know different ways hey you want to try a new whiskey maybe this is a different way to open up your palate a little bit more yeah and i mean it's always good uh, you know uh 
you know, distillers and people who make fine spirits and stuff, they really take pride in like how the finished product tastes neat. That is, I mean, that is how they taste test. It's neat and with a couple drops of water. That's that is what they're trying to present to the world as their craft, nice. if you will. So there you go. There you have it. Uh, Downmore 15, I think. Uh, you know, next time I, you know, I might get a little more. Intri- I might bring in a little bit of a, an eye for you guys. Get some of that smoky going on. Yeah, I want to push our horizons a little bit. Okay, <laughs> and uh, you know, then we'll get into some bourbons and stuff like that. Because this hit, great. this hits right into my palate. I like it's this. Pretty a good, lot. right? It's very this, good. Is, uh, this is one of my favorites. It's uh, it's it's real nice. The Dalmore makes excellent excellent uh, drams, and so I would definitely. Definitely recommend the Dalmore. They have a 12, they have a 15, they have a Portwood Reserve, I believe, which is, uh, uh, as you might imagine, just aged in port, wo- in port barrels. Uh, but yeah. is this a bottle you can find commonly at most liquor stores? Um, it's relatively common. It's definitely not like uh, Glenmorangie or Glenlivet or like Glenfiddich or, or McAllen. For example, like those are going to be everywhere. Maybe right? it's Glenn McCallan. Maybe this is the guy we need to find. <laughs> but uh, but it's definitely there. You you could definitely find it. It's nothing like nice. too crazy to find. So, uh, yeah. It also is a really cool box. It's got a stag on the front, you know. So it's nice, you know. It's, it is. There you go. Fancy. All right. Well, hey, I think that'll do it for uh, Scotch for Noobs. Do exquisite you want to jump right people? into your other segment, Connor, or do we want to play a little trivia first? Ooh, let's play a little trivia. A little trivia first. Okay. We're going to jump back to some Broncos. Okay. Can I, can I keep drinking my Scotch? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll all probably have to get a breathalyzer before we leave. Yeah, but, hey, you know. Drink responsibly out there, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we're in a nice, comfortable studio. We got good couches. You know, we can chill here for a while. Might have to have a couple of these glasses. Absolutely. <laughs> $120 bottle? <laughs> Not my money. <laughs> okay. This trivia is uh, it's called Name That Bronco. Okay? Ooh. Um, I want to see your guys' knowledge of some of the players currently on the roster. Okay? This is all current active Broncos. Okay? So I have a few different players here. I have five facts or statements or whatever about this player and I'll give them one at a time and you guys kind of after each one I think they get a little more obvious of who it is so you guys can interject at any time but you only get to guess once on each one so if you don't know you may want to wait and hear some of the uh, other more obvious ones okay so now first am I, am I beeping in or blurting I, out the I don't answer. think we have the beeper care. for you Connor mm. so I think I think, I think just blurt it out just blurt it just blurt okay. it okay All right. Be quick. Be obvious. All right. Got it. First player. Played college football in the Big 12. Originally hails from Texas. Holds five Denver Broncos records. Von Miller. Ding, ding, ding. We got a winner. The next one was going to make it obvious. Owns a chicken farm. (laughs) Tough. Oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Connor's at 1-0. Let's try to remember this this time. Yeah, we're okay? going to try. I'm not very good at counting, especially when I'm drinking. <laughs> uh, next player, born in Branson, Missouri, has started every game that they've played in as a Bronco. Brandon McManus. No. Oh, Nick. Second right. round I'm gonna draft use, pick. I'm going to use all of these. As you should. Graduated from Wiggins High School. Quit typing uh, into your computer Dalton over there, Mister Reisner. Dalton Reisner. Stop it! Stop it, Nick. I don't know what you're talking about. The last I know what I'm talking about. You stop <laughs> it. The last stat I had, which was interesting to me, he's the first Broncos lineman ever to start all 16 games as a rookie. 
Oh, uh, Garrett Bowles. No, no, no. That was him. That oh, was shit. Dalton Reisner. Oh, didn't get. I think Garrett Bowles played most of the season too. Yeah, but he missed a game or two. He also wasn't from Wiggins. But hey, yeah. no cheating okay. over here with this okay. computer. Okay, next player. So one to one. Do I need to shut down devices? Yeah, Nick, Mr. I producer. I'm producing it. Yeah, I have to. I have cheating. to. Oh my! You only God. need one laptop over there. You don't right. need two. Uh, next player played college football in the Big Ten. Has only played professionally for the Broncos. He is a former first-round draft pick. He was the second player drafted at his position. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I screwed that up. <laughs> only the second player drafted at his position in the first round ever by the Broncos. Ooh. But he was not the first player drafted at his position from his college. Jerry Judy. No. Stumped. Although wow. I do think most of those things fit. I, th- I think all of them fit. No, Big Which Ten. Which one doesn't? Big Ten. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh. And also the second. So and, and let me restate that again, and I'll give you a chance if you hit it on this one to say it again. Actually, let's give you a, a chance, Nick, first. You got anybody? Mm, stumped. Okay, I'm going to run through them again. Played in the Big Ten. Only played for the Broncos as a pro. First round draft pick. Only the second first round draft pick at that position ever by the Broncos. And he was not the first person at that position from his college drafted in that in the same I'm draft. Stumped. It's Noah Fant. Mm. Uh, TJ Hawkinson drafted ahead of him there in that draft. So, okay. Well, I couldn't guess again. I already got it wrong. He said only one you guess. You didn't know it. You didn't know. I may have. Um, <laughs> Bradley Chubb. <laughs> Bradley <laughs> Chubb. Bradley Chubb. I got it. Give us the clues. <laughs> we'll call that a wash. 2 2, Connor and I. I'm literally two sips into this whiskey, and that just popped out. Okay, that's fun. Uh, okay, let me see if you guys would have gotten this. It was a good one, too. I got it. It was a good one. For sure. Was. No uh, doubt. Former first-round draft pick. Bradley Chubb. Okay. Been named to one Pro Bowl in his career. Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb. Never won a playoff game. Obviously. <laughs> first team All-ACC. Duh. And uh, the last one was obvious. It was 20 and a half career sacks. But I was hoping you guys would give me a Teddy Bridgewater on that one. I tried to lead every every hint Let's into Teddy Bridgewater. Let's try not to lead off the next one with the um, answer. I'm going to just – I'm going to pull the name <laughs> off my screen so I can't. So I don't read the name. Okay. <laughs> one of six players drafted at his position in the first year, in the first round of the year he was drafted. So one of six players drafted at his position – in the first round, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, no. Yeah, you said it first. So I said it I second. <laughs> I think Nick said it first. So, okay. <clears throat> Won a national championship in college. Two time first team All SEC. Won the Bolitnikoff Award his final year of college. And led the Broncos in receiving yards in 2020. Oh, wow. Jerry Judy. It's Jerry Judy. It's a layup. A layup. That. Come on. Layup. That one wasn't obvious. I, I knew I would get you guys with the Blitnikoff because you guys are not. I don't even know what the Blitnikoff is. It's the best receiver. Okay. That's the word for the best receiver. I knew, I knew you guys wouldn't know. <laughs> I knew what it was. So Connor <laughs> takes the show. I kind of blew it with the Bradley Chubb one, Boom. but it's okay. It actually made it better. You know, probably the crowd split. goes wild. <laughs> That's all I got for you guys. All right, there you go. So you guys know your Broncos fairly well. I had to get to. Get to like three hints on most of them. So mm-hmm. I tried to throw some curveballs. There's some interesting things I didn't know. Dalton Reisner grew up in Colorado, was not born in Colorado. So that was a little bit of a curveball. Right, He's for from the next Missouri. One. Bradley Chubb. I mean, 
Sorry. It only took what one is, guess on that one. <laughs> what is Bradley Chubb? Okay, Connor. It is time for the stat of the week. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. Love the new intro. Boys, that's great. Was that made during last show? <laughs> yeah, it sure was. That's fantastic. Uh, the beautiful musical ensemble. Uh, 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 Jesus, dude. Apparently, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I just give up. Don't don't make me no, drink anymore. No Dalmore for Jared Jesus. over here. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, stat <laughs> of the week. Um, actually, uh, got a bit of a you know we we it's a couple stats here. Okay. Hey, and it's, it's been a few weeks since you've gotten us some stats, so <laughs> yeah. I expect you to I'm have excited. quite a few. So. This is about our uh, favorite losers in the state, the Colorado Rockies, who have 14, uh, 14 road wins right now, right? Uh, terrible road I'm record. So, I'm so mad they, I know. they broke that record. I know. So they're not going to make it to the worst road team in history. I know, Jared. But uh, that's still bad. 14 road wins Any so far Any more walk-off wins? Yeah, but they get, uh, Elias Diaz hit a, hit a game-winning home run a couple Getting games there. ago. That's so. the one I'm shooting 12, for now. No, so now there's 12 walk-off wins with 14 road wins. Pretty close. Uh, anyways, uh, they have the best home record in baseball. Okay? Best home record, worst road record. Now, I'm going to go through just a couple stats here for you. The Rockies have a 786 on base plus slugging at home, which is good for first in the entire MLB. There are 30 MLB teams. Do you want to take a guess at what they are in the MLB for OPS on the road? Dead last? 30 out of 30, baby. Woo! All right. Uh, average. Okay. The Rockies have the best home average in the entire league with a 272 average. On the road, want to take a guess at what place they are? 29th. <laughs> Going out on a limb there. <laughs> 30th. I'm aggressive. <laughs> 30th. I think you, you get the pretty aggressive. The Colorado Rockies are first in the league in home average, oh, home oh. on base percentage, home slugging, home OPS, home runs scored. And they are dead last in all of those categories on the road. Now for pitching ERA, Herman Marquez, um, uh, oh geez, Herman Marquez, John Gray, and man, there's another one, Austin Gomber. Those three pitchers have better ERAs, better ERAs at home than on the road. Figure this out. I mean, uh, that wasn't I mean, where I thought you were no, going. No, so so three of our five are you know arguably our three best pitchers. They pitch better at Coors Field than they do on the road, and yet our offense falls apart. Uh, can we figure out these Rockies, please? Well, how no, is I think you just did figure out the Rockies. This is it. You don't know how to pitch on the road. You also can't hit on the road, which means you're getting stomped <laughs> on getting the road. Stomped. Uh, you, at least if your pitching can translate, then that leads you to having, I mean, if you could have even a middle of the road, huh, pun on play on words there, middle of the road record on the road, then, then you could be a very good team. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if they were even approaching 500 mark on the road, they'd be right there in the wild card discussion. So um, even give me like a 33% clip on the road, man. It's, it's bad. And so, Obviously, the offensive numbers are expected from a national standpoint, right? People people see that the Rockies are first in home batting average, OPS, all this stuff. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, no surprise. They play at Coors Field, right? But what you don't expect is to see your pitchers 
pitching better at Coors Field than on the road. So it's just like a total all-around stomp job by the Rockies on the road. And it is it is something. So I actually want to bring this up. I, I can't remember if I brought this up on one of our shows, but uh, I was talking to a buddy, uh, a Rockies fan buddy of mine. And I'm sure he didn't come up with this idea. I'm sure it was an idea that he had heard from someone else. But I thought it was interesting, so I wanted to share it. Uh, he was thinking, and I think I brought it well, up. You brought it up on okay, the show. I did bring it up. The pl- platooning. So you put some and players sounding who better and better. Who only who only play on the road, and then you have some players who only play at home. Okay, but like seriously, think about this though, because you typically run with what? I mean, how you don't know this better than I would, Connor. How many position players are you running on your active uh, major league roster? I mean, you have your your nine or your eight position fielders. And then how many backups are you typically running on an MLB roster? Well, I'd have to look. I think there's like, uh, so what, there's... What, you got three, two or three backup outfielders, two or three backup infielders, right? Yeah, so something if, like that. Yeah, if I think you, you got like five, maybe five hitters and so uh, you know, a bunch of if, if you're If you're rotating in and out of series based on home or away, five guys, four or five guys out of your lineup, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge impact that well, so can be made. So you have a made. 40-man roster. Okay. okay. Um, I think that you could probably find a way to get like three hitters or so that only play on the road, only play at home. I mean, I, I kind of was looking at it, and that's what I got to was I was thinking you might be able to get three or four hitters, probably three reasonably, right? And hey, you're not going to sit your best player, right? right. You're not going to take like Nolan Arenado when he played here or like Trevor Story and like sit them on the road, right? You're not going to do that. But like, um, you know, I mean, like... Uh, you know, a, a Rymel Tapia maybe, or a, or a Garrett Hampson, or or somebody like that, right? You might consider it. Okay, but let's get into a little bit more specifics on that. So, if you're, what would be your approach? What would as okay? You're you're the manager of the 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 team. You're setting your lineup. What are you looking for as a Rockies manager on the road? What type of lineup are you putting in there? Are you going? You're you're going obviously a little bit more on the road. You're going to play a little more small ball. You're going to maybe be have, what, are you going to put more speed on the see, field? Are you going to... No, see, I, I mean, I guess if anything, you would put a little more speed in your outfield. If you could, if you could find a way to make it work to put a little more speed in your outfield for the home outfield, right? Okay. Right, because it's, it's a such a big outfield. outfield. Um, but more than anything, I don't actually... That's interesting, too, to, to like think about like how you could tweak it to be the best. But I think it's less about like like what types of players you put at which park. And it's more just about let these guys who are the road hitters stay at sea level and take batting practice on like they don't even travel. So it's not even about the type of player. It's just a matter of, of keeping them separated that you're only playing at sea level. Essentially practice at sea level. And then you're literally practice at sea level, build another facility out in like (laughs) Arizona and just, just, or just keep them at the spring training facility. Or uh, maybe build one way underground. How about that? If you build it, (laughs) they will come. They really will. It's interesting. And, and Hey, uh, you know, I would be amiss if we're talking a little bit of rock, and I did not at least mention that it looks like there's a reasonable shot that Ryan McMahon wins his first Gold Glove award this year. Love that. Um, okay, but what position is he mainly playing at this point in time? Now, I, I'd be curious to see because because he plays multiple positions. Am I am I wrong? I don't know if he's not done that as much this year with without having so many options. You know. Yeah, I mean, he's been playing you know second base and third base. He's been playing third base. Um, cause don't they designate gold gloves one per position? Yeah. So, or is he going to get like the Khalil Mack treatment where they give him a gold glove at two positions? 
No, it won't be like that. He'll probably he'll probably get one at one, but I think he'd probably be eligible at second base. He'd probably be eligible. Well, you at know, third Nolan's base. getting third base. Well, do we know that? I don't know. He yeah, I mean, gets I, it every year. I think that man. I have to go look. I, I guess before I bring this up, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Ryan McMahon next, so I can look up a little bit about the Gold Glove rules. Oh, I stuff, think but, we uh, might be teasing a stat <laughs> of the week. Yeah, I mean, hey, he's just he's having a good season and he's playing really well uh, in the field and. It's been a miserable season for the Rockies, so I'll Correct. take any win that we can get, really. You know, it's it's funny how we kind of get caught up in that, and then we get to a time for the guy to get a contract. We're like, no, don't pay him. <laughs> Why would you pay the guy? And, and you guys, uh, did you see that quote by uh, by John Gray by chance? No, Over I the weekend. Not. So John Gray, I can't remember who, what the reporter was that asked him, but they kind of just asked him about the state of the team. And, you know, because we, we've been talking about how John Gray has made the quote before that he wants to wear the purple pinstripes next year, and he has interest in coming back and pitching at Coors. Uh, he's aware they aren't actual purple pinstripes, right? I believe they are purple pinstripes. On their pinstripe. You're I believe, telling me that's not I, white and black. Well, yeah, but I believe that their uh, gray purple uniforms are purple pinstripes. Yes. I'll look into that. I believe so. <laughs> I believe they're the only yeah. they're the only team in all the sports to wear purple pinstripes. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, so he was uh, kind of just asked about the state of the team and come back next year, and he he mentioned that um, you know this team is really not as far off as most of you would like to believe. That's what he said, and it stuck with me because we kind of talked about the same thing a couple weeks ago, and. At first, I'm like, I mean, you know, any any fan like looks at that and just laughs because like they're a wreck right now. But he's kind of right. <laughs> you know what I mean? In a weird way, I mean, he's kind of right. I mean, this team is a bat and a couple bullpen pieces away from actually having a chance. Uh, not contending, but being a wild card, at contender. least contending for the playoffs. Right, having at a least fun season, keeping <laughs> our interest peak. Making into it, September. It, right, That's all right. I want. Football starts the first week of September. <laughs> I don't need baseball at that point. Hey, I would love it if I'm still watching baseball at that point, but I don't need baseball at that point. I just need it to keep me occupied in between hockey and basketball ending and football starting. I'm sorry for everybody that I just offended out there. I know those are blasphemous words and, and, for true baseball And fans. meanwhile, the Rockies are on the precipice of setting a franchise record for worst road record for franchise and fin- uh, getting number two all time for best w- w- home record in franchise history. So what I a think, season we are having. I actually think that like is what makes this... I mean, again, I'm trying to make light of a terrible season and it, it, it adds humor to it, I guess, for me to see like you're so bad... But you're actually so good too. Like it's just it's the irony involved here is hilarious. And apparently you can't be really bad on the road and really good at home and still be good. It overwhelms you. <laughs> you end up too still much. bad. We have we much. have now discovered. See, it was just a test. See, they were just <laughs> trying to they were just trying to test and see if I, this could I've been work. saying for years, you want to talk conspiracy theory, Dick Monfort is pushing this fan base to its <laughs> limits, okay? To the he wants to see how far he can push you guys and, and still, still get go. your money. Pretty far, I reckon. All right, that's a good note to end on there. Leave you all on a real positive note there. If you guys want to go complain about everything we just said to you about the Rockies, go find us on Twitter at Red Rock Sports One or Maybe if you liked what you heard, go follow us there as well. Next week, we'll talk a little bit of AFC West power rankings as we get looking forward to the regular season. For Connor and Nick, I'm Jared. Thanks for tuning in to Red Rock Sports.